Hello, my father. Hi, Annie. One second. Okay. I think that will work. Can you hear me? Yep. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. Okay. Yeah. One second. Let me go to the other room. Okay. So, how are you doing, Mark? Doing okay. It's uh, been a busy day. I've had meetings continuously since 9 a.m., but everything seems to be uh, calm enough that we're a good for the rest of the afternoon. Just got to send a few more invites to people so that they know how to log in for our Discipling by Jesus event. Okay. So, uh, how about work? You still there? Yeah. How about work? Yeah. How about Sorry? Does, does this uh, interfere with your work? Uh, no. Mm-hmm. I mean, normally, we sort of have a principle of not having meetings on Fridays. It got bent a little bit with a urgent meeting with some follow-up, but things appear to be under control, so I'm okay, okay with it. So... Okay. Um, mm. Uh, the um, so back to today we choose faces. Yeah. Okay. Um, All right. So we, we left have... with. Uh... Sorry. Go ahead. We are on chapter six. Yeah, and uh, Winton is the the main character again, and he's uh, sort of been pulled back from the grave uh, by the various, by the more recent incarnations of Angelo de Negri. And we ended the last chapter where Wing 5, one of the houses into which humanity has been uh, sequestered after an interstellar war, Wing 5 has suddenly disappeared and they're trying to figure out what to do next. Yeah. um, I think, you know, he, um, this guy, that's also Winton. Winton is the 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 nexus, right? He's the uh, person who's in charge, and the uh, he's in Wingnall with the other members of the family. So. Um, Yeah, he, he is the one who um, pulled the pins, right? Right. So, so I think it was actually Carob uh, was the name of the yeah the yeah. the nexus at the time who pulled the thought. pins yeah, for old lands and then went yeah. in. Yeah, Carob was the one who did that, and then mm-hmm. uh, but. Um, <laughs> There's a, uh, do you remember um, Abby and Peter? They sent some flowers, and, uh, and maybe there's something in the flowers. So they're sitting here. Oh. Anyway, so uh, so Kara is the one, but um, in this chapter, of course, you know, these guys are all together, right? I mean, even though it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. um, Kara, and he has part of everybody that's gone before him. So this one, 
it kind of goes back on chapter six to what happened to Kendall Glenn. Yeah, there's a flashback. So the right. So the uh, so apparently Old Lange Senior had a run-in with Kendall Glenn, who was Glenda Glenn's father. Right. And he seems to be a brilliant guy, and uh, I guess slowly uh, the story is beginning to make sense, right? I mean, they're all coming together. And, yeah. Uh, apparently, Kendall Glenn uh, wanted to uh, inhabit other planets, basically, right? Other right. He wanted to break humanity. He, well, he wanted to actually, so right now they've been locked in this house to be part of this uh, experiment in, hevolu- in human evolution that Angelo Zinegri, uh is running, right? Where he tries to make a more peaceful, a humane, evolved version of humanity. Yeah. And, and Kendall was the Kendall, first credible threat Kendall, to that. Yeah, and he wants to, uh, he thinks that this particular group, the house they call it, uh, is going to die out because, you know, they're all passive and they're all, according to him, they're all programmed and uh, if they don't agree, then they're uh, basically uh, brainwashed. Brainwashed, or you know, they even uh, reprogram them, or something like that. Yeah. But mm-hmm. he also apparently found out some way of um, improving interstellar travel by transportation type of thing. Uh, well, that's always been the case, right? Right. So the, the interstellar travel piece they already had, right? That was part of how they got between the houses. Yeah, but apparently he had a fantastic uh, way of doing it, speeding it up or something. Or, he, or he, he may have come up with a better way to do yeah, real space travel rather than just teleportation to explore new planets, things like that. Something like that. But the, what I don't understand is why Lang didn't want that to happen. He said he didn't want that to happen. He... Uh, because Lang at that time hadn't pulled the plug on these other two people like this guy Karab had done, right? Right, so Lang, uh, yeah, so that's an interesting thing, right, is that um, Angelo Denegri had a whole bunch of experiences and reasons why he decided he wanted to embark on this project of human evolution. Hmm. And um, that compulsion, that decision has been passed down to his descendants, but they don't actually have all the same context he had for making that decision. It's just kind of, this is the way it's always been that we have been devoted to this cause without necessarily yeah. them even knowing why. And so apparently Lang didn't want that, I guess. Yeah, because well, the way I look at the way I took that as, you know, They've spent their whole existence, multiple lives, trying to uh, create a certain kind of humanity that can live peacefully together in the house. And Kendall is basically saying, no, this is a bad idea. We Hmm. shouldn't be trying to pacify humanity to live in this artificial environment. We should be releasing humanity to thrive in an actual natural environment. Yeah. He's basically saying, let's end the experiment. Yeah. 
And also, yeah. um, is there a problem because uh, somebody is trying to kill them? So the other thing is that Winton remembers a Mr. Black from his time. Right. That appears to be the same Mr. Black uh, that's trying to kill the family now. Right. And then he starts to suspect there's a connection between Mr. Black and yeah. Kendall, which they didn't see at the time. Right. So, um, basically, they bring a scandal against Kendall Glenn, and he hangs himself. And, but the, the thing is, Glenda is his daughter. Kendall Glenn's daughter. That throws a right. wrench in the thing. So, and again, this is the same Glenda as another Glenda. <laughs> same Glenda, same Glenda. This is very much same, same Glenda. Person. Okay, okay. So this is fairly recent then, because you know, even though Lang was the one who discredited and Kendall uh, Glenn died, still in the same generation. So yeah, I think Glenda was was five years old when okay. he died, and so therefore it's been about like twenty years since this happened. Okay, so then, um, for for some reason, he's not telling the other three people, uh, Jenkins and uh, Winkle and Gene, um, what he's planning to do. And he he basically wants to go back to Wing 5 and find out what happened, I think. And so he's arming himself with explosives and guns and grenades and everything else. And Throughout this thing, there's this light coming in on and off, the flicker from the ruins. So the ruins, I don't understand what the ruins are. Was that where the family lived at one time, or was it the remnants of the original Earth? I, I think that Wingnall is the building we found at the end of part one. Yeah. And before that, he was in this room where Siler's lived, Siler's headquarters, yeah. where they had the final showdown between Angelo and Siler. I think that is the ruins where Siler was. Is now where Siler was, and where Angelo killed Siler, and yeah. then he came across to this building, which became Wing Null. But then they forgot about the ruins because that's you know not considered a relevant part of their life. But something weird is going on there. Yeah, but there's still something flickering there or something like that. So yeah. um, then he, um, the Carib person, then is mm, finally sharing some things with the other three guys. So, and he starts by saying, I pull pins seven and six, and then I guess that's how he can become more uh, aggressive, uh, more violent, or whatever. So yeah. the other three guys agree with him, saying, yeah, that, uh, we would have done the same thing. And like I said, you know, they keep asking him, who are you now? Which one are you now? I don't know, it's a strange question. Uh -huh. They all know. They're all part of everybody else. So um, basically what they're asking is... Um, which one is the dominant part, I guess. Yeah. Right? 
uh, it's like uh, our context would be, uh, you know, let's say uh, Godfather, who inherited Godfather's qualities, right? The first son, second son, or third son. Uh, it's, remember the old Godfather movie. Right? Yeah, right. And uh, obviously the second one didn't inherit um, the thing. The first one probably was apparent heir, but then he got killed, and then the third son kind of forced into being the next uh, godfather. And he becomes violent, and basically inheriting all the qualities of his dad. So some, something like that, I think there's a little pattern there. So Yeah. Um, yeah but I think, ahead. you know, the, the, the interesting for me is that you know the you know the 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 perennial question I keep asking is who is the good guy, and even if we uh, just agree, which we may not, uh, or decide that the person inhabiting the body of Paul Karab is the good guy, it raises the question who is he? You know because he's certainly not the same Paul Karab that was there before he pulled those pins, and internally he seems to feel more like Winton. Is like I've been winning all along. I just forgot about part of myself, but now I'm back. Uh, yeah, because and, in the case of uh, Lang, because of this story here with Kendall Glenn, that particular story, obviously Lang was a bad guy. Well, so that's interesting. From who's from? Yeah, from Winton's perspective. Um, right, so, like, from whose perspective, right? From my, from my perspective, because, you know, he unnecessarily ruined the guy. So here's the interesting question then. Do you agree it was unnecessary? Do you think yeah, Kendall was right? The, the means he used was terrible. So he, he didn't was, go so about it the, the right the, way. He went about it in a very, very bad way. So he's obviously a bad guy. If he was a oh, right okay. so this... guy, he would have uh, uh, gathered support, argued, and uh, convinced uh, people, and gone about in a very democratic process. He didn't do it. Right. So this is interesting, though. Right. Mm. So, um, so oh, you're arguing his means uh, make him a bad guy. So let's kind of rewind a bit. So before the winter, for example. He was appalled at the means that Lands used, but he said, you know, his perspective was, well, uh, I would have just killed him in a clean, honorable death, not like destroying his reputation and his, his family like that. Would yeah. you have thought Winton's approach uh, more honorable or less than Lange's? No, it's more, definitely more honorable, honor, more honorable it's, it's, than it's, that, that, because it's a, Direct confrontation. There's a fight, and somebody comes up uh, as as um, the leader. Uh, that's the way it was. But whereas this was a very underhanded way of doing it, and the well, yen let's, does let's, not let's justify me... the means. The yen does not justify okay. the means. Okay, this is this is good. This is very much a conversation I was going to have with you. I want to understand this more deeply. So say that again. This is actually the this is one of the key conversations in the book that I really want to. That I wanted to have with you is to understand how you view and feel about uh, Lange and Winton and Kendall. So, what I'm hearing you say, so, if, 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 so, my 
Washington would have done is rather than waiting until Kendall had a strong following, mm. he would have uh, quietly assassinated Kendall early before he became a real viable threat to the family. Well, we don't know what would have happened there. Sabi, we don't know. He, that was the mother he was. He said he would have. But, but, but the reason. That would have been, he would have been become the bad guy again. It would have been bad for him. He assassinated him, yeah. Assassinated him, yeah. When you put it this way then. Counsel, no, if you went to the council and they argued and uh, they presented mm -hmm. their cases, and I think that would have been the process. That would have been the right way to do it. Okay, but then let me just kind of rewind this because I think this is interesting. Mm. The whole premise mm. of the family the whole yeah. reason Angel Denegri is doing this is he feels humanity is too immature to govern itself. That's kind of his whole premise. And that therefore we as the family, who are at least self-conscious of our own immaturity, will stay as the shadowy organization in the background to make sure that the right things happen. And some of the things they do right. are sort of noble and philanthropic and artistic, but very much uh, part of their toolkit is doing things in a in the shadows in an unaccountable way, including yeah. deciding who gets to kill, who who gets reconditioned because they're not thinking appropriately. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say is that your well, there's different degrees of good and bad. The very fact that they're doing this kind of in a subversive, unaccountable way. Uh, is in itself problematic. Like they may have noble intentions, but the very fact that they're doing it this way kind of makes them um, uh, morally suspect. No, see, I mean, if Angelo Denegri had a noble idea of denouncing violence and becoming a nobler, gentler generation, and it'll be similar to the mafia becoming legitimate, mainline, and they start businesses. And in the business world, they, the third generation or fourth generation uses legitimate business practices, getting a better product, uh, innovations, and, and coming up on top. Then you cannot call them the bad guys. You know, they have a bad background, but they are this stage in that generation, they are the good guys because they are competing well, with well, everybody well, on a, yeah. Well, but here's, but here's the thing, actually. I would argue that, and this is a very relevant item in Silicon Valley today, that a business who purely pursues even honest and legal competition, heedless of the consequences to society, isn't really a good no, they're not. Like they're they're not using, yeah. No, no, if they're using right. underhanding methods, yeah, definitely not. No, no. no even, if, not. even if they're doing everything that is legal, right, and everything is public that they're doing, uh, <laughs> that, you know, let me give you a classic example uh, that's very relevant to Facebook, for example. Mm. You know, they have an algorithm which is designed to maximize engagement. And they publish yeah. papers how, uh, how they've done tests on how the algorithm uh, can be tweaked to have different levels of impact on people and, and measure that. And, yeah. 
everything they're doing is legal. Everything they're doing is basically known. But there is strong evidence that a lot of it is corrupting the soul of democracy and creating addictive behaviors and leading to the rise of extremism. Yeah, then I was still condemn that. Right. So that's the point. Is that it's not a question of whether it's legal. It's not even a question of whether it's public. It's a question of is that I think this is really interesting, right? Is that and, and this in fact is one of the hardest problems in society, is that should people be free to do what they want, or should we expect people to ask act in pro social way? Right? In ways okay, that let, let me digress here. See. It depends upon what you mean by legal, because you know in the communist countries, what they're saying is all legal. It's by their law. That doesn't mean that's right. right. Exactly. So that's, so that's just, interesting. Just because right? it's legal, it's not right. That's not the point I'm making. It's not legal. It's not what I'm making. It's more like a legitimate way of doing it, and a noble way of doing it, right way of doing it, right way of competing. So you, you and I start a company that doesn't do any of the other things. And just does it for purely for the benefit of the civilization and, and the people. And who knows? More people will follow us and uh, they'll be benefited by it. Then we are the good guys. But if we are going to follow the example of other people and cut corners or cheat uh, uh, people, put uh, spice in there and underbid them and all those things, then we are not the good guys. Let's, 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 let's take a nice neutral example. Coca-Cola, okay? Um, Very wholesome American company, right? Uh, the uh, prevalence of sugared substances has probably contributed some quantity to the prevalence of diabetes in our culture, right? And it's not as bad as tobacco companies putting love cancer, but it's not entirely different, is it? No, but they're not forcing people to take it any. any. Okay, so forcing... That's a little so different. Is a question. How are, how are tobacco hey, companies uh, forcing people to take cigarettes? No. It was if just if uh, you knew that you had evidence showed that this is harmful and you still promoted it, then it's wrong. Whereas there are so many ways, you know, uh, people bring things without knowing and later on find out that there were side effects, there were consequences and stuff, and then they pull back. If they didn't know ahead of time, you cannot really blame them. If they knew ahead of time, yeah, that's wrong. Right, but here's where it gets tough, Dad, right? Is that the human brain is really good at avoiding unpleasant truths, right? The Upton Sinclair yeah. quotes that I keep going back to. It's impossible to get a man to understand something if his salary depends upon him not understanding it. So you look at it and say, well, they should have known, but they didn't. No, no, no. I didn't say they because... should have known. But if they no, had this known, is they great. should have known. I right, so this is the thing. Right, so it's easy to say. You're guilty. But what if you're in this you're gray area of should have known? Hmm. Right? So there was a long period of time where there were, you know, there was a period of time when the data about uh, cigarettes causing cancer was dubious, right? It was you know, new data and, you know, there was reasons for skepticism and calm. And like at that period, like the first few years, you can say, okay, I can kind of understand. But as the time goes on, 
their denial of these facts feels much more like willful blindness than just honest skepticism. Oh, right? wrong. There's a line there, right? And, but the problem is, is it's hard to draw that line, right? Of where it goes from being genuine skepticism to deliberate blindness. And, you know, I agree with you. It's a, um, and, and so it's like as human beings, uh, it, it's almost impossible to escape, right? There are so many things that we later discover. I mean, I, I go back to my, the own pandemic. Like when I first heard about the pandemic in February, I blew it off. I didn't think it was serious. I didn't think it was a big deal. Um, and, you know, it was only in March, maybe a few days before the rest of the country, where I said, oh, crap, I had evidence that this was serious, but for whatever reason, I chose to discount that evidence. And ended up making, you know, not many big different choices differently, but some. And there are people who still argue about the data and, and what it means and what's happening and things like that. But the point See, is that there's, I think there's a couple, yeah. Because of the original of sin, our, our, we are talking yeah. about uh, perfect world and perfect uh, civilization. But there won't be any such thing. There will always be defective. And what I'm trying to say is um, that doesn't mean that we should strive for it. And again, there is nobody who's 100% good. That's the same story again and again. There's always good in some people, and there's always bad in good people. And that's what I'm trying to find out here. It's the same thing here I mean, in the world as well as in the story. Um, there's nobody completely good. And, you know, that's what the Bible says, right? There's nobody completely good. And so, um, you know, uh, we, I think we both agree, but uh, uh, but we are looking at it a little differently and hoping for something different. Well, I think here's the interesting point, right? So there's one question, which is we haven't really answered. Uh, is Winton's and Lange's desire, their intent to preserve this society the, within the house uh, under the current evolutionary path that they are on, is that a good desire or not? Is oh, that even a legitimate end? Yeah. Yeah. Desire is, is good. Desire is good. How you go about it is the way okay. to the point, right? I mean, okay, so like, uh, like, like, like Hitler, okay? Getting a noble race, a company perfect is good. But he went about it in a terrible way, right? Eliminating all the people who had defects. So right, but here's the funny thing, good. Dad. Mm. Right, so here's the thing that is troubling about civilization in general. It's mm. pretty much any good thing that you can see. There is somebody who pays a price for it. Yeah. Right. You know, American civilization built on the backs of slave labor and you know Native yeah. American genocide. You know, uh, you know, certainly the Indian Revolution with uh, Gandhi, uh, you know, overthrowing the British peacefully feels like a really good thing. On the other hand, you could make a plausible case that that led to the partition between Pakistan and India, which, you know, for certain people has been a real step down than it was under the British rule. Yeah, you know, and, I agree. I agree. and you kind of have to say, you know, you know, so these are the, the uh, this is the thing that's hard about judging people like Winston and Lange is like you can say, well, okay, 
I disapprove, you know, like, like uh, it, 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 it is, it is tempting to say, well, uh, you know, and I think I would agree with you even that like, okay, the desire is good, but there are also certain other moral precepts that are also good. And if you betray those, then you're heading down a dark path that could end up undermining the very thing you're trying to create. Uh, you know, there's a slippery slope. Um, on the yeah. other hand, yeah. like, mm. if he had done nothing, like if Angelo Denegri had tried to do nothing and just said, well, I wash my hands, I'm just going to live my own life and protect my own family, uh, or, uh, you know, that also feels cowardly too, right? There's this very unfortunate, or maybe it's intrinsic to the human condition, so I, if God made it that way, I shouldn't complain, but like to make a decision to take a stand for something invariably means to a certain extent condoning certain things that are wrong and uh and rejecting certain things that are good in order to make any progress at all and Uh, hmm. go ahead finish it the thing that's interesting for me is i think about you know, there's, there's a school of thought that says, you know, all moral decisions, all non-trivial moral decisions are in some sense arbitrary. Yeah. There is no clear, obvious right and wrong. And the right. best you can right. hope for is that people are doing it with a, a, a full mindfulness of the consequences and a willingness to pay the price to follow through on those consequences. Like, to me, the essence of evil is when you create negative consequences and then insist that somebody else has to clean up after you. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, and like I said, you know, Francois de Negri's uh, vision, I feel like it's, in, I guess to use the, the trendy word, authentic, in that he's doing to humanity what he, a, a milder form of what he's already done to himself. Right? At least he's, you know, he's, he, he's willing to lay his life on the line and do to himself the same sort of surgical evolution that he's trying to do for the rest of humanity. So at least he's, he's sincere about it. He's not yeah. just manipulating it for personal gain. So I'll give him that. Right. But I think I can agree with you that there is a sense in which you wish uh, that there was a part of Angelo Denegri that said, you know, Hey, we're in this difficult situation and I see, you know, and, and you have to feel for it. This, he, this guy is an inheritor of, you know, probably a couple of hundred years of tradition of these people who have sacrificed everything, including their own identity, in order to create this more evolved humanity. And he sees this guy, this Kendall Gwynn, basically saying, no, this was a bad idea. You should never have done this. This is the wrong way to be going. And it is literally unthinkable to land that he is wrong about his goal. And therefore, he never stops to say, well, the only way I could stop him is to engage in these tactics. But these tactics are so abhorrent that if my vision of the future requires these tactics, then it's not worth it. Right? He, he, that's something you'd like him to say, right? For him to sort of say, wait, in order to accomplish this goal, I would have to cross this line. And that's not a line worth crossing. Uh, but it's kind of impossible to imagine 
Land or Winton not crossing that line, given the heritage and the suffering and sacrifices they've made. But we can still look at it and say, you know, there ha- no, there I don't th- agree with that- you. Sorry, which part do you not agree with? I don't agree that that's the only way they could have done it. You said that there's no way they couldn't have done it other ways. That they they had to go underhandedly to uh, see. They are trying to change humanity the way they think it's, it's better for them. And right, they are using the same methods that they are. They are using underhanded, dirty. What these are the dirty tricks things that they're doing. Right. So the land. Uh, we'll talk about this. from Winton. So, right, so land is doing things that are just real slimy and manipulative, right? Yeah. yeah. But, but from Land's perspective, um, not only was this, by the time he realized that Kendall was a credible threat to his progress, uh, it seemed to Land that uh, assassination would have been counterproductive, right? It would make him a martyr, and then he would end up still achieving his goal even in death. And so Lange, I mean, what could I mean, Lange would have could have tried to have you know a grassroots campaign, but uh, Kendall frankly was smarter than Lange, <laughs> right? Kendall probably would have outmaneuvered him, and what for Lange to have said is, you were basically we're saying if he was doing something other than that, he would have just say, well, rather than ensuring that I my way happens. I should look within myself and say, you know, the thing I'm fighting for is less important than the principle of fair play. Right. And therefore, I should be willing to lose rather than win on those terms. Right? And yeah. I agree from a moral perspective, I would say, like, I, I, would, I wish uh, Lange could have done that. But the tragedy but what is, is... What is Lange's, what is Lange's ultimate goal? What is Lange's ultimate goal? To all, build a gentler, nobler generation, evolution? If that's the case, well, you're really defeating your purpose. Well, is he? But this is the thing that's funny, right? Because um, it almost implies that, like, so from Lange's perspective and Angelo's, is the way we build a nobler, gentler humanity is by getting rid of these base, violent, uh, you know, experiences and precisely getting rid of those parts of ourselves that cause trouble, right? And so, well, if you're doing it for yourself, it's different than you are doing it for the community. Like, like I went back to well, the thing. See, see, if they went about building a nobler, gentler, passive generation by filling up the juice and uh, uh, the, the uh, homosexuals, and uh, then you get a better generation. Doesn't work. So far, it doesn't work. It's a bad right. way to do it. Well, well, and one of the things that you discover then, right, is that the thing that you defined as badness was, you know, whether or not those were uh, subversive to society at some level. Um, it was certainly threatening to the existing social order. Right, and this perhaps is the more damaging and damning claim, is that, uh, and this is actually a hard one for philosophers, is to say, well, surely um, it is better for society to exist than not exist. 
than for it to you know, dissolve into anarchy and chaos. And if you accept that premise, it becomes easy to slide into totalitarianism, right? Is to say, well, whatever is necessary, no matter how unfair or unjust that preserves the social order is valid. And it's like, okay, well that, you know, we can see that that ends in a bad space, basically some form of totalitarianism. Then we'll say, okay, but then what's the alternative? Right? Is okay, say, no, see, I don't agree. I think it is, I think this is all preservation, self-preservation. They want their people to survive. So you couch it, couch it in a different way. Uh, and but do you really think Angelo whatever is means, being selfish? Whatever means available to you in order to achieve that, and I don't care about any of the other people. My family has to survive. My people have survived, so I'm going to get rid of all the other people in whatever way. That's it's a couch in a very nobler, gentler than I know. It's a selfish thing. Oh, I want only my family to survive and and get along with each other and things like that. Anybody who don't agree with it will get rid of them some way. That's the way that they're going about it. It may be wrong when I go further. We may find out different, but. To me, at this point, so, so, when I look I, I, at it, that's how I look at it. So, so, so you're saying that you even think that Angelo and his clones are at some level actually acting selfishly? I don't know about Angelo, but all the clones are. You think they are? Okay. Even yeah. though yeah. they are more than willing to lay their lives on their line and get killed to try to oh. yeah. uh, achieve their vision, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so... In, in what sense is it selfish, right? Yeah, because I, I you know, I tend to... they, know, they know that even if they die, they are not dead. They're, they're uh, uh, part of something bigger. That can be, people can get it back. Right, but, so, but, but here's the interesting story. thing, right? Right, but, you know, this is actually really interesting, right? Because isn't this a, uh, like, I, like, I, I want to agree with you, but it, it implies a very high bar, right? It's not a naive kind of selfishness, right? It's not like they're trying to set up a, you know, a palace or a kingdom where they have slaves and harems and, you know, people doing their bidding, right? They, their practical life is one of selfless, uh, hidden service to humanity, right? They are doing things no, that any, appear but, but to be hurt other people. Uh, they didn't hurt other people, though. It's not that they didn't yeah, they hurt. Do. Because, like uh, Kendall Glynn said that. He said, you know, basically what you did was, if they don't agree with you, you, you basically you brainwash them, right? But but let me let me push on this issue very gently, Father. Okay. If you have someone that mm. you know. Mm. that is espousing dangerous ideas that appear mm. to be dangerous to themselves and mm. dangerous to society, isn't it the kindest thing to make sure they get the help they need to fit in, even if they don't want it? I know you are going somewhere else. Uh, this has nothing to do with what we're talking about. <laughs> this has everything to do with why <laughs> I about, this no, book, no, you're not dangerous to themselves. They're talking about it themselves, but um, but here that person is using here what they are doing here is they are hurting people. Not they're thinking of hurting people. They are hurting people. They are 
changing them into reindeer people. So what is the line that Lange should have done? Should he have said, I will not use the powers at my disposal to ensure this person uh, does not get to promote their ideas? I no. should do this. What? No? Okay. okay, what are you saying? Land, land should have gone to the council and presented his arguments, and Colonel Glenn presented his arguments, and let them choose how they want to go. And if they right. go, so they, what I'm they hearing live with their consequences. Right. They live so with land their consequences. Should, they right. go so to other, the thing, uh, other planets, and they inhabit other planets. That's how civilization would have gone. What? I know. Even if it wasn't so, even if it wasn't apparently so, this is not a civilization. civilization they are doing. They are killing people. They are scandaling people. Scandaling well, but, people. But, 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 but let's be honest. Realistically, if the Angelo project failed and humanity was left without sort of this nanny, this sort of mafia nanny overwatching him, it would probably be a, a society where, where we didn't have all the brain conditioning and everything that they worked so hard to create. There's a decent chance and you could make a very plausible case. Um, in fact, there's this book called The Giver that we read with our kids, uh, where it's like a, a future society where they all take this pill that kind of deadens human emotions. You don't have greed, you don't have violence, you don't have fear, you don't have hate, but you also don't have love. Uh, because you know, that's because that leads to jealousy and anger and all these things. And this society has made a choice that it's better for human to beings to live in peace together, um, but the price they pay is not having a full range of emotion. And we would look at that and say, and the characters in the book look at it and say, you know, I don't think that's worth it. It's worth accepting the fact that human beings are going to do painful, hurtful things, but that's the price we pay for letting them have a full range of emotions and having some decent amount of human choice, um, even though we still draw lines in other places. Right, we kind of draw the line that we don't want to tamper with human nature. We don't want to deaden human feeling. We don't want no, people to no, stop I mean, thinking and feeling and believing. Right? No, no, that's not. I mean, uh, I know maybe I'm totally off. I think the only way to do that is what Jesus tried to do with his way. So we don't know if they had chosen the other path. Somebody would have come like Jesus and changed the civilization rather than going their way of changing the civilization. We don't know that. To, to Angelo's, so right, but to Angelo's... No, let me finish. Let me finish. Okay. What if they thought with Colonel Clint's way and they've gone to different planets and we don't know how it would have turned out. Some, see, that's what I'm trying to tell you, Andy. Human nature has a lot of good in it, a lot of bad in it. Depends upon degree, right? And if uh, mm -hmm. more people with nobler uh, instincts and thoughts and actions come up, they can build a society which is better. It will never be perfect. There will always be bad things happening. But, you know, we don't know. But that was the aspiration of humans, right, to build a better society. How you go about it is the question. But, but here's the question, right? There's two different definitions of better, and they're in fundamental conflict. Right. One is that one with, um, let's call it less variation of extremes. Uh, like the thing about uh, Angel De Negri's world, there is no room for criminals. 
right? There's no room for murderers, but there's also no room for geniuses. Right? That's the way Angelo Dinegri uh, designed and defined and imagines his world. Is we keep people within this range of good behavior. And Kendall is saying, no, that is artificial. And even if it looks placid and peaceful, it's something fundamentally limiting. And we need to throw open the doors for humanity to be itself. And, you know, the reality is that probably will lead to not all upside, right? There will be some downside, but we think that's a worthwhile risk, right? No, because in, in no, order to be fully human. You don't, you don't think, you don't, you don't, you don't, no, no. You, you think, let you think, okay. Interrupt you. Let me interrupt you. Okay. What I read okay. in this chapter, Scandal Glenn didn't think that everybody would be uh, peaceful and normal and golden and gentle. He said, all of right. you will be like cows, and then a bone will come. So evil will come. That's the problem. The evil is already coming. We talked about it last week, right? There's always evil there. One evil person comes mm -hmm. and. So uh, what Kendall Glynn was saying, you need to be uh, prepared for that. Don't make them all cows. Then the stronger person, evil person comes, then he'll take over. There won't be any resistance. That's what he's, he was right. saying. Right. So, so his, his, his argument, though, okay, so I, I get mm. that. I, I agree with it, right? But yeah. the implicit statement is that by trying to pacify humanity, we're creating chaos, right? Mm. That's kind of what he's saying, which implies that if we're trying to not make cows, we have to give up on the ultimate measure of society being pacification, right? So yeah, Angelo's right. claim is that, hey, I've created a society without murder. Isn't that an amazing achievement? Isn't that what we wanted all along? And when I hear Kendall saying, no, you don't realize that you have paid too high a price for that. You are sacrificing what we would call resilience. Um, um, and, you know, a certain level of human flourishing. Uh, and by doing this, you have uh, actually done something that had some short-term benefits for a lot of people, but had some horrible uh, consequences for a small number of people, in the sh uh, immediate consequences for some people, and also was damaging to humanity in the long run. It was making us less resilient, less adaptive, less able to flourish the way we're supposed to. So that we are, pre are presuming that everything is going in a linear direction. There won't be other changes. Well, no, but, I mean, but, but, but that's, goes, that's the argument they're having. the same way, yeah. Right, but right. So the, the, the uh, Kendall's claim, right, but that's his claim, right? His claim is that we're damaging humanity by trying to pacify it. And we should back yeah. off on trying to control it uh, even if it means that some of the measures, so here's the thing that's interesting to me about between Kendall and Winton. I think they're both sincerely committed to humanity, right? But Winton and Angelo, they saw a humanity that spread across the cosmos and then came very close to destroying itself, right? In the interstellar war that Siler was talking about yeah. with Angelo. And so, Angelo's bias, which is hardened into a conviction in Winton, is that, oh my God, if humanity repeats that experiment, the next time we may not be so lucky. And any price is worth paying to save humanity from that fate. 
And it is hard to um, um, it would be hard to argue him out of that, given what he saw and experienced, right? And it's even harder to argue out of him, given all the price that he's paid for centuries to, uh, on the basis of that choice. Uh, and yet I still think like he's wrong, right? I, my sympathies are certainly with Kendall, right? But it is, uh, you know, it's really hard for me to imagine Winton or Lange looking at Kendall and saying, you know, this guy is espousing ideas that I've always considered dangerous. And I, because of who I am, I have these powers, right? I have this network, I have this family, I have this knowledge of the system. Shouldn't I use these powers to keep him from doing something that's dangerous? Because the alternative is to say, is ultimately it's like Christ-like incarnation to say, you know, hey, I will limit myself to no more power than other people in this system and let them play it out authentically, right? That's kind of the only alternative we can imagine is essentially uh, Christ-like enunciation. This, this, yeah, this is the story. So let's see, find out what happens if uh, right now, uh, Winton, Kairab, whoever they seem to be um, the heroes here, not necessarily, we won't call them good guys or bad guys, they're the heroes. The protagonist. Let's see if they succeed. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the other guy is the villain, right? So um, let's see if uh, the way, especially this guy is now is going to go to uh, Wing Five, and uh, he also is trying to help Glenda, and see how it turns out. Uh, and they throw in a monkey wrench about a clone that's missing. Yeah. Which, uh, I don't know what that means. Um, I, I, they say that, but they don't say when it happened. Did it happen before? Yeah, don't worry, Mr. Black, uh, the Mr. Black, did the clone become Mr. Black? Uh, that I don't know. Uh, again, I, know I don't know the whole story. So um, the other thing that seems to be happening is there seems to be a parallel things going on between the family and the black people. <laughs> because... Mm -hmm. They also seem to reincarnate themselves, and uh, because you know, hundreds of years, nothing happens, and Mr. Black comes over. So the side by side, this uh, family, there's another group that's also coming from generation to generation, hundreds of years, and things like that. Because from Sailor's side, probably, and he also yeah. has uh, things like that. So we don't know. Right, but you know the the the, the character in Black and Ken, because like of all the characters you've met, Kendall mm -hmm. Glenn seems like a good guy, right? He seems like a scholar and a gentleman, and yeah, you know, genuinely wanting the right thing, and he suffers a really horrible end. Yeah, um, and um, he kind of anticipates. He's not. He's almost not even surprised. Because he feels like there is some sort of shadowy force that's keeping humanity from achieving this level of flourishing. And he, um, so he seems like a good guy. On the other hand, it kind of feels like, you know, when Wendell looks, he says like, wait, what if Kendall really isn't uh, this innocent, super genius saint that we all think he is? What if he is actually a pawn of Mr. Black, right? What if Mr. Black, who has this enmity 
for yeah. the family is actually the one feeding him ideas and encouragement. You know, does that change our perspective on Kendall? Does oh, that yeah, change our perspective see, on? Because that's really like, what if the like that? This is the scary part. Let me let me play this hypothetical. You know, what if uh, you know that the other side is already willing to has their own shadowy, sinister, secret forces that they're using? Does that change the moral calculation of what steps you're willing to go through? Yeah. Yeah. See. I take the view that there is no perfect person. It all, it all, right. Everybody has good qualities. Everybody has bad qualities. And we are going. Motives and bad motives. Yeah. I'm looking at them as heroes and villains. And uh, my side as the heroes are uh, from Angelo Degree's people. So they uh, are the heroes, and the other guys, and they have more nobler aspirations than the other group. Uh, but these people are not saints. They all have yeah. dark side also, and they use right. others yeah, that yeah. are not. Yeah. So yeah. See, um, I think uh, I see that happening here, right? I mean, the United States uh, will do anything, some underhanded methods, right, in order to preserve mm -hmm. our, our belief in democracy and stuff like. We do the same thing life. that yeah. the bad guys are doing, right? So. Uh, as far as the story is concerned, uh, my group is uh, Angelo De Negri's group, and uh, they are the heroes. I want them to win. And they also, you know, in addition to all their faults, they have a lot of good qualities, and they have more nobler ideas. So uh, let's see how it ends. Yeah, so like, what I said is you, you want them to win, but you'd rather they found a way to win that... So the interesting question for me is, the the closest we came to some sort of um, moral bright line that we wish they hadn't crossed, right? Mm. Is that you know, and, and Lamb seems to cross it in a really ugly way. Winton yeah. seems like he would have been willing to cross it in a much cleaner way, right? He would have just assassinated somebody and or whatever. Um, yeah. And it's interesting that he, he Lamb, you know, Winton thought that. He was creating a more, or he thought that his descendants would be more highly evolved. But in some ways, they actually seem more squeamish, but less honorable. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and I think that in itself, you know, to me, that's the interesting thing is that this in itself is a reason to question um, Angelo's um, vision of human evolution. Right, it seems like it's missing something profound. Yeah. And even though it has a lot of very positive side effects, yeah. um, there's a price that it's paying. And I think what's worse, I think the point you made that's interesting to me is the price that it's paying, even though Angelo is fully internalizing it, it's hidden to the society. They don't really know the price that is being paid. And one could make right. a case that you know, a healthy society is one where you do make these trade-offs because you have to make trade-offs the society yeah, exactly. forward, but it's all out in the open so you know what's being done. Like, you know, the fact that we did all these horrible things to the Native American, uh, at least, you know, we, at least now we have records of it. We have evidence of it, even if at the time maybe it wasn't really widely known. Yeah. And, but it's, a, it's, a, it's still a, a hard question. It's like, you know, if you actually knew how bad things were, uh, would you have the stomach to do what was necessary? Right. So Angela, at least, will give him credit for that. He actually knows exactly what 
the ugliness is, and he's still willing to act in this, but in a way that Siler was not, right? Siler had a very great humanitarian impulse, but he wasn't uh, a fellow enough to execute on it. And that's why he yeah. couldn't stop the war from happening. And this is the, yeah. the scary thing. It's like, are we forced to be stuck between Silers who have a conscience and fail to act and people like Angelo who uh, are willing to act at the price of their conscience? Yeah. And yeah. And, and you know, I think there is, you know, it's interesting. We didn't start this out as a Christian podcast, but it does beg this question of, you know, is there a third way? And the only third way I can find is Christ, right? Yeah, Where right. we have power and choose not to use it. And when we uh, have a big enough belief in the thing that we stand for to trust that it will survive our own death, right? Is that, yeah. the, you know, and uh, this is... Um, see, I don't know if yeah, see that's the thing. Yeah. I, and... And there have been instances where it has been applied, and there have been good results. Now, our um, uh, civil rights movement was basically Martin based King, on Martin Luther King Jr. Principles yeah, and respectively uh, through Gandhi, Gandhi Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, regardless of their personal lives, the methods that they used made the civilization better, not perfect. But better, yeah. So, uh, and there's always yeah, side, you know, right? There's always side effects, but. right? But but yeah, sure. you know, and that's you know one one of the interesting uh, phrases that I remember learning as a Christian as a child that I'm starting to appreciate more deeply is this concept of the glory of God or the glory of Christ. Is that what we see in a Martin Luther King Jr. or a Gandhi? Is they mm. do something that brings glory to Christ, right? It honors mm. this Christ likeness as the way forward, as an alternative to either passivity or tyranny, right? Is they, yeah. There is a thing there uh, which we can call Christ-likeness, um, for lack of a better term, that feels like the only alternative, right? Otherwise, you're yeah, stuck yeah. between the Silers and the Angelos, and it's yeah. hard to define it. It's harder still, or maybe it's even harder, to, it's hard to practice, maybe even harder to define than it is to practice. But that's our next phone call, so I'll save the conversation for that. Uh, okay, that'll be the next. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll see you there. I'll see Thirty minutes, right? We have our our sister event, DBJ, and then okay. uh, we have you and I have a conversation on Wednesday, and then we'll pick the up again on Friday. We can talk fast and see where we end up. All right? Yeah, yeah. Mom's going to be uh, there. So I was thinking whether we both should be the same TV or different. It's actually easier if you have separate uh, separate calls because that way you can like, raise your hand and we can see your face perfectly. Okay, we'll see what can be done. Okay, if not, we'll both. Yeah, yeah. Do, do what you can. Okay. If you can, that's preferable. Okay, but if not, bye -bye. We'll, I love you, we'll run with it. Okay, love you too, bye -bye. Dad. Thank you so much. Bye. Okay, bye bye.